Well, I want to speak to you this evening on the, the subject of how to make the most out of Christmas. I'm sure we all want to make the most out of every opportunity that we have in Christmases, once, but once a year, how to make the most out of Christmas. And let's turn then in, uh, for today's, um, for this sermon's, uh, this message, uh, Bible reading to the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 18, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 18. <clears throat> Let us hear God's holy, inerrant, inspired word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God. Whose name was John. This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as, the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace, and of his fullness we, all, we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Let us bow our heads. Let us pray for God's blessing as we turn and to consider his worth. O Lord God, words fail us, express the praise and the worship that is due to your name for you the infinite ineffable wisdom of Christ's incarnation of how his person 
and how in his person deity and humanity are so united in indivisible unity to such an extent for the purpose of that he would be able to die for us on our behalf as one of us and yet remain sinless, perfect, holy, the Holy One of Israel. Oh Lord, we thank you for, his, for the, the truths that we have just read, the record of the, of the birth of our Savior into this world, Lord, for the, for the record given to us by John the, the, in his gospel, explaining, opening up before our eyes the depths of the riches of what it meant, of what was happening there in that stable in, in, Jeru- in Bethlehem. Oh, Lord, we thank you that indeed we have come to receive of his fullness, grace upon grace. We thank you for that he is indeed for many of us here this evening, our Emmanuel. He is God with us, God for us. He is the living proof of that. And it is because of your grace and mercy. And it is all because of you, not because of the will of man, not because of our own will, or the will of our parents, or of our friends, or the will of or the minister, it is because of you, the God who is able to do the impossible, to raise up dead souls and bring them to life, to change them from being slaves of sin to being sons and daughters of the living God. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of our Lord Jesus. We confess, our Father, that we as earthly creatures, we do not deserve in the least. We are not worthy of the least of your mercies. And to receive from you the greatest of them, Christ becoming like us, Christ coming to dwell amongst us, Christ becoming our Savior, our King, our brother, our friend, is, Lord, beyond comprehension. It is beyond what any, is beyond what what we can express that he should have walked in this earth, in our earth, ridden with sin, that he should have drank of our water, that he should have eaten of our food, that he should have partaken of our sinful nature, taking our sins upon the cross. Oh, Lord, we worship you, we adore you. We give you thanks and, and praise your holy name. And Lord, we plead for those, perhaps even in this building, this evening, have not yet known this great Savior, have not yet been touched by your mercy and grace. But Lord, we plead for those who don't plead for themselves. Be gracious, Lord, that as we turn to your word, to consider it, to meditate upon it, 
that it would be this this day, that it would be in this season that we remember the coming of the Lord, of our Lord, God's the Son, to be made flesh. It would be today that your word would come to them as well, that they would receive, that they would trust, that they would know the graciousness of our Savior. Oh Lord, we pray for your blessing upon us as we come to consider this passage. Speak, O oh Lord, to us, for we pray in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Christmas is one of the most pleasant times of the year. There are some children here. Children usually are quite keen and looking forward every year to this season. It's a happy season. It's a time, as Gary this morning was asking some of the children, well, what is Christmas to you? It's interesting that five out of six of them, they said exactly the same thing. Presents, gifts, toys. There's happiness in that. There's celebration in that. There's, there's a joy in the air, regardless if you are a Christian or not. There is a certain sense of joy in the air when we come to this uh, season in, in, in our day. Of course, there are abuses. The commercial aspect of Christmas is terrible. It is very much why it's become what it's become, a pagan uh, celebration more than, than a remembrance of a Christian uh, feast that has been celebrated for many centuries. And the risk for us is actually, Brother was reminding the, the children the, uh, on our Sunday school carol services that we in the midst of all the festivity, of all the hustle and bustle, uh, in the midst of all, uh, of, of all the, the busyness, that we lose sight of what's important about Christmas. So I wanted to, from this text of mine this evening, to encourage you on how to enjoy Christmas, well, how to make the most out of this Christmas, so that... This Christmas would have the desired effect on your heart. I think first of all, four things we will, uh, I would uh, encourage you over this Christmas season to do. First of all is to reflect on the person and the work of Christ. Reflect on the person and the work of Christ. John tells us five things about Jesus in these first few verses in John 1. There are important for us to consider. The first is that he was pre-existent. He already existed. Before that a child was born in a manger in Bethlehem into the world, in fact, he already was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The word beginning here uh, casts our mind to the to the the first act of creation, but cast our mind even further from there. That's what John is trying to say. When, when, when the beginning happened, when, the, when it, it came to pass that creation was made, the Word was already present. 
The word, the word already was. It's John's way, the author of this gospel's way, of, of saying in eternity past, before time existed, the word was. In the beginning was the word. So that child, that later, the, uh, that child who, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, is not just some ordinary common man like you and me in that sense. Who we came into existence, into existence in our in the moment of our conception, we became who we are, or we or we became who we were, and and then we grew into who who we are today. But that child in the manger, he was with God, and he was God, and that's the second thing that John wants us to know: that not only he already existed, that he was pre-existent before he was born. But that he was with God and was God. That is to say, the word, he was, uh, that's, that's what John, uh, the, the name that John uses here for Jesus, was with God and was God. And here we have a, the great mystery of the Trinity. How can you be with and be it and be God at the same time? The answer has been given by classical Christian theology for many centuries. It was something that was debated and it was something that was uh, uh, wrestled over, over in the first few centuries of the church. What we have here is the mystery of the Trinity. The word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, uh, as in verse 14. That child who was born, he, he is in truth God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. It is in this sense that he was with God. The Son was with the Father. But he was God because the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. This mystery is here encapsulated in these two verses. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. There is only one way to solve this, this enigma. It is that the true God subsists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what happened in that Christmas night? That was probably most definitely your... I'm not going to get into the controversy, but it was probably not on the 25th of December, as many of us uh, have been reminded time and time again. But what, ha what happened on that night that this, our Lord Jesus was born at the, in the incarnation of God the Son is that God came and dwelt among men. He was God. He was with God from the beginning of all that's why what we celebrate at Christmas, and we should celebrate Christmas all the year around, God dwelling amongst us. Think about it. Your Christmas will only make sense this year and in years to come. This season will only, only really uh, accomplish anything in your heart of note for eternity. And when you learn these truths, when you know that Christ, that this child is both pre-existent and divine, but also he is the creator. Verse 3, we read that all things were made through him, 
and without him nothing was made that was made. The Bible does not go into much detail. It tells us enough. It tells us what we need to know about creation. It tells us that God created in six days. But it doesn't go into much detail. But it, it affirms beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything that exists was created by God. That nothing exists without him. You could ask the question, why is there anything or something instead of nothing? The answer, for, according to scripture, to God's revealed truth, is because of God. He created it. He made it. He brought it into existence. And we are told that the world is this executor, this uh, agent of bringing it into existence. It was exactly the word, God's son, that child born in the manger, that, that is pre-existing and, and God himself that created everything. Nothing that exists. Nothing that ever existed. Nothing that will ever exist was made without him. Was made without Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, we have the fourth thing to meditate upon. John says that in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And this, to me, speaks that this child born in a manger that is celebrated in Christmas is not only preexistent and God and the, and the Creator, he's also the Savior. The thing that we needed, life, was in him. It was the will of God the Father that in him there was life, Life eternal, true life, forever, life that lasts forever, resided in this person, in the person of his son. That child born in the manger is not only God made flesh and the creator of all things, but he is also the one who gives eternal life, that gives to mankind life eternal and happiness that knows no end. And fifthly and lastly, to meditate on it, meditate on the fact that he is the victor. He is the, the winner. He is the, the one who prevailed. Verse 5, then the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. it to me, verse 5 speaks of conflict. There is a conflict, isn't there? In verse 5, there is on one side darkness who is trying to smother to quench the light and there's on the other side light that prevails that wins that is conquering there was a moment in the life of our Lord Jesus that seemed like darkness had overcome had you not known what was going to happen next in fact many of Christ's disciples if not all of them Many of his followers thought, darkness won. It's over now. We can all pack our bags and go home. There was a moment where it seemed like darkness prevailed. Where darkness triumphed as the Lord Je our Lord Jesus dies on the cross. But on the third day he rose victorious. The dar darkness did not prevail. Sin and death did not win. He rose victorious. 
He came as a savior to the world and a savior he is. Because darkness did not comprehend it, did not quench this light. So this is my first word to you. You want to make the most out of this Christmas? Do you want to truly make the most out of this season? Meditate upon the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who he is. Who is it that we are celebrating really? Who is it that we are really thanking God for? This is for Christians and for non-Christians. Meditate. Think. And uh, you see, in, in modern culture, people uh, speak of meditating as this kind of esoteric uh, oriental sort of meditation. Empty your mind. That's what meditation means. In scripture... Biblical meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind up with, with more. Fill your mind. Read through the Gospels. Read some of the letters of Paul. Meditate on the person of Christ over this Christmas season. But not only that, my second recommendation to make the most is not only to meditate, to read, and to, and to consider, but to believe. Believe what the Bible says about Jesus That's how you make the most out of Christmas. Believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Here in our text, in my text this evening, we have three testimonies about Jesus. That he is God, that he is preexistent, that he is creator, the savior, and that he is victorious. The first testimony is from John. That is John the Baptist. John 1, 6, we read, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And then we continue reading, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Here lies his, our Lord Jesus. It's another term used by another John, the, the writer of this book, John the, the Evangelist, if you want to call him that. Uh, speaking of Jesus, he came to bear witness of that light. This boy who was born, who, who is before John, as he says in verse 15, he is the one that John came to bear witness of. God, the creator, had commanded John, had set John apart to prepare a way to bear witness to him. And John came and he spoke of the light. He called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came to testify of Jesus Christ as being the light. And that's what Jesus does for us. He comes in. He illuminates our, uh, our darkness. He brings light to what was only shadows and, and grim. And, and brings light and happiness. And John was sent to prepare that way. To prepare people. To say, get ready. God himself is coming into the world to save and to win. To prepare a way. That's why John the Baptist came. That's where his witness was. But the second testimony, the second witness that we find is of God himself. In this passage, we read of, 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 in verse 12, that God bears witness of himself. As many as received Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God himself bears witness of his work. That a person upon belief, trust in in Christ, he is born anew. He is a new creation. 
He is born again. Something miraculous and supernatural. Something that no miracle uh, uh, comes close to comparing happens at the moment of salvation. People say that the, the creation of the world was such a great miracle. And it was. God created everything out of nothing. Ex nihilo. But salvation is something even more unfathomable. Because with salvation, God not only creates something, uh, he creates a new man out of an old man. He creates, uh, he, he picks up a sinner. He transforms and he, uh, he takes the sinner of the, out of a sinful world, transforms that sinner into a saint, places him back in the world and keeps him saint and saved. That's a miracle. And God testifies this of his own self, of his own work. Wonderful things happen to those who believe in Christ. And finally, the third witness that we have here is in verse 14. We read that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We John says, John, the writer of this book, we, who, who is the we? Well, it's John, the writer, John, the evangelist, and it's the disciples, others who lived and served, who, others who spoke with and touched. This God made flesh. God the Son made flesh. Others who heard Jesus, who saw him, who saw him being killed, who saw him being raised from the dead, those are testifying to us that belief in him, that we should believe in him. They, they walked with him. They ate with him. They saw his glory. So three testimonies. John the Baptist, God himself, and the apostles. Their testimony is recorded in the Bible so that we may believe. And this is the second point that I bring up. The first one for us to enjoy is to meditate. The second one is to believe. And the third point that we need to lay hold and grasp otherwise we won't understand or make sense of Christmas, is to receive with astonishment and admiration the doctrine of the Incarnation. To receive with astonishment and admiration this doctrine of the Incarnation. Think about the words of verse 14. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came into the world. God came into the world. You know, there is, there is this tension in other world religions. Either they, they, they fall to one extreme or they fall to the other. And I would argue that Christianity is a beautiful balance between this both... Uh, these two paganistic extremes. On one side, you have transcendence, the transcendental aspect of God, that God is uh, completely distant 
from creation, so far removed from creation that, that he is uh, unreachable. Gnosticism teaches this. It's many unbel- uh, many uh, pagan belief systems in our own day believe this kind in this kind of God, a God who is so far, so transcendent that is unreachable and, and and far, far away. On the other side, you can make God so much untranscendent that God basically becomes a part of creation. That God is so, so, or the, this idea of God is so, uh, their idea of God is so uh, common that God is just one more in creation. Then you have this in our world, pantheism. We are all gods. We're all God, divine matter, and everything is God. And, and if everything is God, nothing is God, I would say. But, but we, with the doctrine of incarnation, we have the beautiful balance brought before our eyes. That God is both transcendent outside of creation, but he makes himself come because, uh, and takes on human form and becomes the, the word is imminent, imminent. That he becomes not a part of creation in that sense, but that he identifies so closely and so near with creation. That uh, the word used here is that he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And this is so true. There is absolutely no doubt that of, of the, the reality and the nearness of this word. In the Greek it is he pitched. Uh, it, it's the same word that was used of pitching the tent. He pitched his tent amongst us. Amongst, among us. He came and he dwelt here. He didn't build a house because he didn't want or he, didn't, he knew that his time here was brief and temp, uh, but he pitched his tent. Think of it. He knew he was going to die, that he would rise again and go back to glory, but he came. He pitched his tent during this time. He was made flesh. He was true man and true God. A hundred percent man and a hundred percent God in one person, two natures. He suffered as we suffered. He hungered as we hunger. He thirsted as we thirst. He was truly man of man. He shared in all. He had a, he experienced true and legitimate humanity. So celebrate that. Meditate upon that. Be in awe and wonder of the God who has made flesh and decides to take part in creation and in time. And thirdly and lastly, my last point, examine yourself. Want to make the most out of Christmas? Meditate upon Christ. Believe in him. Think about the wonderful doctrine of the incarnation. But lastly, examine your own self. To enjoy Christmas, you have to examine yourself. There are two only possible ways. And we are told those two ways in this text 
of mine this evening. There are those who rejected and there are those who received him. There are those who trusted and there are those who remained blind in unbelief. What is it with you? The alternative is either verse 12, as many as received them, to them God gave power to become, the right to become children of God, to believe in his name, to be born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God from God, or to reject him, to not receive him, to not embrace him, Look, I know I cannot change your hearts. It is God. It is God that does this in your life. I know I cannot, even if I could, or if I tried, I cannot do this. But if if you could, and if you would, It would be the greatest of all blessings. In him you would receive life eternal, eternal happiness. In him you would receive all of this, not only here in this life, but in the world to come. To reject it is to make the most foolish of foolish decisions. Are you rejecting it? In light of what you've heard, What will you do if you neglect so great a salvation? Where will you go? Trust in the Lord. Plead with him. Oh Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to hear you holding, uh, calling me. Say to my soul, you are mine and I am yours. That is a prayer that God is always willing to answer. If you would pray it with sincerity. It is a miracle that happens. Maybe you haven't realized until today that God does Delight in saving sinners. Does delight in answering penitent sinners pleading for mercy. And I would pray that this Christmas season you would know of his grace. And you would receive of his grace. May God help us. May God bless you.